great things, amazing things. God's at work, is he not? Mm-hmm. Well, this is our Matthew Sunday. Matthew Sunday. So we're working with the Billy Graham Association and a outreach called My Hope, which you've talked about different times, and we've been talking about it steadily. So we're, we're uh, going to explain this a little bit more today. We're going to focus on Matthew. Matthew was a tax collector. Remember Matthew? So let's ask the Lord's blessing. Father, we do thank you for your blessing this morning, your grace upon grace. We thank you, Lord, for giving us ears to hear with, eyes to see with, and hearts to comprehend. And we give you all the praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how are you all doing this morning? You all doing well? Good. Good. It's good to see you all. Yes. All right. Let's, let's go to the book of Luke, chapter 5, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Remember, Luke was a physician, physician and he was very, a very much a detailed man. When Luke wrote the book of Luke and the book of Acts, he went about getting eyewitness accounts, and he, and he wrote these different uh, accounts down. Very meticulously. So let's take a look at the book of Luke. And we are going to chapter 5, verse 27. And Jesus was traveling about. He was walking about. And verse 27, after that he went out, that is Jesus, and noticed, after that he went out, noticed a tax gatherer named Levi sitting in the tax office. And he said to him, follow me, follow me, follow me. How many of you are followers of Christ? You know, there's a difference between accepting Christ and following Christ. You know that? I can accept the fact that certain politicians are my whatever, whatever, but I'm not a follower of their policies. And in fact, many people say, well, I accept Christ, but they never follow him. Follow is an action word. Follow Christ. So a rabbi, as Jesus was, went out. And rabbis would typically choose their disciples. So he went out and he saw Levi. Now what about Levi? What kind of person was Levi? Well, first of all, he was considered a traitor by the Jewish people because he was a tax collector. And not that he was a tax collector alone, but the tax collectors were notoriously corrupt. And they skimmed huge profits off of the top of the taxes. They were basically extorters. So if they told you you owed so much in tax, and you said, uh, I don't think I owe that much. The click of a finger, they have Roman soldiers knocking on your door. They're as bad as the IRS. Don't mean to offend anybody, but they could be, or worse. So they, they really had a lot of power over the people, and the people really, really despised them. And that's what Levi was. He was out in his tax office. And he left everything. He said, Jesus said, follow me. And Levi left everything behind and rose and began to follow him. He left everything. He left everything. There's a message in this. There's an example in this, isn't there, for all of us. We have to leave behind in order to follow Jesus. There are so many things in our life that we have to leave behind. 
And it's a problem is many of us, we want to cling to the old stuff and pull it with us. We're like a ball and chain, like suitcases of luggage, steamer trunks that we're trying to pull along with us. But we have to leave those things behind. Surrendering all and follow Jesus. So what happened to the tax money that he collected? He just left it behind. I'm sure he had assistance. He had assistance that helped out with all that sort of a thing. But he left it all behind. He rose and left it behind and followed Jesus. And Levi began, Levi gave a big reception for Jesus in his house. And there was a great crowd of tax gatherers and other people who were reclining at the table with them. So when he left it all behind, he threw a party basically for Jesus. You know, when you find Jesus, when you find Jesus, when you find the real Jesus, nothing compares to him. Nothing compares to him. It's like that magic moment, you know. This magic moment, remember that? That magic moment. You know, John Wesley said he was strangely warmed in that encounter with Christ. And I can remember reading a book that someone had given me, given my wife to read. And, and I looked at that book, and finally I picked it up and started reading it because she said it was a good book. And in that book, a man that wrote the book, his name was uh, John Sherrill, John Elizabeth Sherrill. They were well-known writers at the time for Guidepost. And he talked about knowing the real Jesus, the real Jesus, and he prayed this prayer, and he had this encounter with Jesus. He didn't see him, but there was a there was a situation. There was something happened. And he knew it was Jesus, and I remember reading that and thinking, and something just clicked with me too. And there was a prayer, and after the end of that chapter, to pray, and it was like I knew. I'd gone to church all my life, basically. I went when my parents made me. I went when my parents didn't make me. Sometimes I didn't go on a regular basis, but I remember when I was 15, 14, going to church all by myself sometimes. And yet, I didn't know him. And there was that time where it just clicked. I knew him. I knew he was real. You know what I'm talking about? And that's what happened to Levi, was it not? He maybe went to the synagogue. He may have worshipped God. We don't know. We don't know a lot about that. But when Levi met Jesus... His whole life turned around. And that's how our life should be. Our whole life should turn around. That's called repentance. I was going this way, my own way, and I turned around and started following him. So this is a little bit about Jesus. Verse 30, And the Pharisees and their scribes began grumbling at his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax gatherers and sinners? Because those were the sorts of people that were at the reception. And they began to question him. And Jesus answered and said to them, It is not those who are well who need a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. That word repentance is a loaded word. It means more than, it means more than just turning around. It means changing your thoughts and changing your lifestyle and changing how you think. It's, it's like coming out of the small world, the world of the small soul into the world of the large soul. So many of us live in the world of the small soul. It's just, you know what that is? It's what we can touch. It's what we think. It's what we... It's our little world, you know? We have an opinion about everything, but we really don't know a whole lot. It's just everything, but we think we do. It's the world of the ego. And it's a small place, isn't it? 
And this is a world, a much broader world that Jesus opens up to us. It's a huge world. It's, his, it's the reality of his kingdom. A light goes on. We're born again, is what Jesus said. We have to be born again. We have to be made new from the inside. It's like a baby coming into the world for the first time. It's like for us, suddenly, we're born again. It's new. It's different. I don't want to go back to that old life. Don't want to go back. So this is what Levi was like. This is his experience, and we can relate to that, can't we? Many of us can relate to that. So what the Billy Graham Association is looking for are Matthews. And what we're looking for are Matthews. And a Matthew is somebody who's had an encounter, who knows Jesus, who wants to invite people to come to, come to know him too. So we're going to take just a minute and 50 seconds to watch this little clip from the Billy Graham Association, it's called My Hope America. It's just a trailer, and you can go online and, and watch this in, in entirety. I was 19, professional skateboarder. I'm riding for Tony Hawk and the biggest companies in skateboarding. It was like being on cloud nine. I had found a guy that was beyond my wildest imagination. I'm on stage and I tell this joke and all these people laugh. He was amazing and he was in love with me. You do feel like you're on top of the whale and rightfully so, you know, you are accomplishing something. I can make a room of a thousand people laugh. There's still a sense of there has to be more. life's preference and meaning. We, we want something. We don't quite know what it is. I gained everything, but I had no clue about anything in reality. Am I only here to make people laugh? It's interesting having what you thought you always wanted and still feeling empty. What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? I gave up my friends, I gave up my family. Does any of this matter if I'm not happy? I had tried so many things the way that I wanted to do it. Like I had just made a total mess of my life. If I don't figure this thing out, I don't want to live anymore. I knew there had to be a better way. Okay, that's a little example of what would be shown if you're a Matthew. So if you'd like to be a Matthew and be like Matthew, you can, we actually have, I'll talk more about this in a moment, we actually have a different DVDs, or a DVD that you would invite people to your home with and show them a DVD of what is, what's happened with the, these folks' life and then you give about a three-minute testimony of what's happened in your life, how your life has been changed. And it's an incredible time for us to be able to reach out to other people. You know, there are all sorts of people in the world. And just like we were, some of us were down-and-outers, some of us were maybe been up-and-outers, but there are people everywhere that are looking for hope. And nothing in this world can fill that place in our hearts that Jesus has for us alone, right? 
You know, when you first meet that that spouse to be, that 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 girlfriend or that boyfriend, you're like, oh wow, he makes me so happy. I am so happy. I'm so. And then you get married, and you come into my office, <laughs> and you say, he makes me so angry. <laughs> so what happened? They went from happy to angry. He makes me so, oh, I can't stand him sometimes. What do you mean? Because in our heart, there's a place that only Christ can fill, isn't it? It's not all the golf. It's not all the hunting and fishing. It's not all the careers. It's not all that stuff. And there are people everywhere that are looking for hope. There's got to be more to life. I heard the story Jimi Hendrix, you know, one of the greatest guitar players. And he got on the stage and he said, is there anything... Is, is there anything, isn't there more to life than this? Something along that line. And so we have a culture. Everywhere we look, people are, are looking for the reality of the real Jesus. Of the real Jesus. And so we have this opportunity. So let's take a look at a few more things here. I'll try not to be very long this morning. Some of you are saying, well, I could never, I could never share my faith with somebody else. Oh, but you can share your faith with someone else. It's very simple. And as we talked about, as we started this series quite some time ago, that I would teach you how to share your faith. And this is actually a wonderful tool that we're going to use. So here's some of the barriers. Some of you may be thinking this. You know what? That really sounds good, but I just don't know if I have the time. I don't know if I could do that with people. Really how this works is you start praying. If you haven't already, you start praying for some people, people that you know that you know don't know Christ, that you feel that the Lord would. They're on your heart, right? You know what that's like? They're on your heart. You're concerned about these people. Because maybe you can see what their life is like because you can relate to it because your life used to be like that. So you begin to pray for people. So we're asking you to begin to pray for at least two people. Two people that you know of that maybe you don't know them personally, but that you could pray for. That's easy, isn't it? On a regular basis. Over in Bangladesh, our pastors over there, they actually have quotas for their evangelists. They have quotas. They have to share the gospel and bring so many people to the Lord a month. Mm-hmm. It's called discipline. They, have, they purpose to bring people to Christ. And we have to purpose to bring people to Christ. Because we live in such a world of self-love, world that we're so busy with everything else that we lose sight of the fact that Jesus has called us for other people too. Didn't he? Didn't he say go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation? I don't want to hear that anymore. Because that means I've got to do something. So we may have barriers, and so Billy Graham Association has actually an outline here. Barriers. We have barriers to telling people about Christ, and these are barriers that Matthew overcame. So sometimes Christians fearfully think, one, some people are too sinful for God to forgive. Is that the case? Look at some of us. He forgave us, and forgiveness is real, isn't it? 
People are not interested in the gospel of Christ and will not respond. That's a lie. That's a lie. People are very interested if you, pre- if you present it properly. I am not trained to tell people about Jesus. It's too hard for me. Well, join the club. I will be criticized by others or embarrassed if people do not respond. So? They'll call you a Jesus freak. Yeah. Graduate from Holy Roller to Jesus freak. So you're on the move. Okay, two. The story of Matthew answers our questions about these barriers. Some people are too sinful for God to forgive. And okay, Matthew was a traitor, wasn't he? He was a tax collector for Rome. All right. Matthew betrayed his people by becoming a tax collector. He cheated people by collecting too much tax. He led a sinful lifestyle. Jesus loved Matthew in spite of his sinful lifestyle. Really? Yes, really. He didn't love what they're doing, but he loves us. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here. Because most of us aren't much better than Matthew. We may not have the opportunity, but we would. We have the... We at least had that, that desire in our heart. Jesus loved Matthew. God loves this world and does not want them to perish in their sins. John 3.16. So God does love them. And you know what? We have to love them more. Love is a conscious effort, isn't it? Look in your marriage. You have to choose to love each other at times. You have to choose to like each other at times. I know that. Michelle and I will say have in the past anyways. I love you, but right now I don't like you very much. <laughs> Can you relate to that? Okay. It's a choice. We cho- we stay married because we choose to stay married. We've had lots of reasons we could have divorced and I'm not putting condemnation on people for if you're divorced, I know that there are circumstances beyond your control. There are some things that really have come to that place. And we'll move on from there. But we choose to love each other. And it gets easier and easier. It's, you know, it's, got, it's easy now. But through those rocky years. Okay, people are not interested in the gospel of Christ and will not respond. Jesus looked deeply into Matthew's lonely life and spoke to him. Matthew followed Jesus immediately and invited others, the poor, the tax collectors and sinners. People try to hide their needs so others don't see them. But Jesus sees and he knows how to help those who are hurting. I know when people were reaching out to Michelle and I, we did not really want to have anything to do with their religion. You know, we had our own religion. And I've told you what that was before for me. It was hunting. That was my religion, you know. And so... It's an, empty, it's an empty religion. It's all empty. It's all vanity without Christ. That's where people are. People know that. And they're looking for answers. Okay, move ahead here. Matthew used what he had to introduce others to Jesus Christ. He used his home, his food, and his relationships. He did not forget his old associates, the tax collectors, the sinners, the family, friends, neighbors. He shared what he found in Jesus, and it was a powerful witness to Jesus Christ. And here's another thing. I will be criticized by others or embarrassed if people do not respond. Matthew was so happy about being a follower of Jesus that he had a party and invited everyone, especially those who needed Jesus. Matthew was criticized, but 
may remember the religious people criticized him. But there were great results. Jesus was the focus of the meeting. Sinners confessed their sins and received forgiveness from Jesus. New believers met other followers of Jesus and were established in their new faith. And Matthew grew spiritually. Their critics were silenced. You can do this. We can do this. We can be Matthews. We can be purposeful in seeking the other people's salvation. You know, if what we have is so wonderful, why wouldn't you want to share it with other people? Has your life not been changed? Man, have our lives been changed for many, many, and most of us. Changed radically. And you weren't too hard for Christ. Nobody's too hard for him. So this, again, this is an opportunity. I'm going to send out a sign-out sheet in just a few moments here. But if you'd like to be a Matthew Home host, I'm going to have a meeting probably about 12 o'clock. It'll be upstairs, up in the room to the right of the stairway. And it'll be a training for folks that would like to be a Matthew and open your home. So this is just a great way, just a great way to meet some wonderful people or bring some people. You say, I can't be a Matthew. Maybe your home situation isn't such that you could bring someone into your home, but you could be a a helper for somebody else in their home too, right? You could be a helper in their home and be there and be a support person. So that's another option as well. All right, let's move ahead here with a few more things. You know, one of the things about Matthew is that even though he was one of the most scandalous, offensive people for the Jews, he was probably one of the most radically changed. To pick up, to drop his old life off and pick up and follow Jesus like that. That's incredible. And not everybody's like that. Some of you, it's just been a long journey. It's been a long journey of kind of coming in, checking out the body of Christ, checking out the church in general. Some of you had church baggage. You think, oh, I've been in... uh, Maybe the church you grew up with, you were so disappointed with it or the people in it or whatever. And so there's a lot of baggage that people might have in that regard. But know that you can present Jesus in a fresh way to them. Can't you? And hey, we're just people, Right? We don't have all the answers. We don't have all our ducks in a row. We don't have everything all straightened up. But for most people, we can give them a glimmer of hope, if not the hope. And I used this analogy some time back, a few months ago. I was driving home one night, and I saw this beautiful moon shining over the bay. Just, just that fireball moon. You've seen that? You know how glorious it looks, that harvest moon. It's just, wow, it's just a full moon. And it made me think about that. You know, the moon is dead. There's no life on the moon. It's just a big rock and dust. It has no light of its own. There's no heat on the moon. You know what makes the moon look glorious? The sun. The sun shining on the moon reflects. Isn't that how our life is to be? We're but dust of the earth. We're just dust of the earth. But when his glory shines on us and through us, It gives people hope because we're reflecting him. When you look at the moon, when it's like that, you can't see the sun. All you see is the moon. When they look at you, hopefully, and us, me, hopefully what they'll see is they'll see Christ, a reflection of Christ. The reflection of the invisible God is reflected through you. Wow. Isn't that incredible, Amanda? Just think of that. Jess, what do you think of that? 
Isn't that amazing? So we can do it, and you can do it. So Matthew made a shift. He went from collecting shekels to souls. And he gave his life to the Jewish people. He gave his life. He went off into the other nations. And I want to say to you, it's time. It's time. You know, I was going to share a little bit about the parable. The parable of the um, talents. You remember the parable of the talents? The money where the master gave the servants money. And he said, go invest these. And some of them went and invested it wisely. And he said, well done, good and faithful servant. And some of the servants he gave the money to, they went out. And one of them in particular went out and hid the money. And remember what he said when he went to collect his interest? The master went to collect his interest. And the man said, hey, I knew you, master, to be a, a hard man. You, you reap where you don't sow. In other words, you take other people's crops. You take things that you doesn't belong to you. And I was afraid, so I went and hid the money. And the master said, you wicked and lazy slave, I entrusted that to you. Why didn't you at least go put it in the bank and gain interest off of it? Then he said this is a remarkable thing. He said, take it from him and give it to the one that has the ten. Many of our lives, that's a parable of our lives, isn't it? It's not necessarily about money. It's about our lives. If we're so shy and frightened and, and, and timid and so self-absorbed with ourselves that we don't invest our life as Christ did, as the disciples did, what is the master going to say to us? Oh, yeah, you know, I really enjoyed you on Sunday morning. You were praising and singing and worship, but you never reached out beyond your world. You never reached out, Gary. You never went out to people. You never reached out to people. You never tried to make a difference. I want the Lord to say to all of us, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Well done. So let's get beyond this I can't, and let's get to the place I can do all things through Christ, who strengthens me. Amen to that. Okay, we're going to close here, I promise. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as for the Lord, not unto men. And I'm going to read a poem that I read some months ago. Some folks had said they'd really like me to read it again. But it's been a poem that's really impacted me. It's called Only One Life. It's by a man named C.T. Studd. He was a famous cricket player in England. And he left his fame and fortune and went to different parts of the world, China, India, Africa, to become a missionary 100 years ago or so. And it goes like this. It says, two little lines I heard one day traveling along life's busy way, bringing conviction to my heart. And from my mind would not depart. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Soon will its fleeting hours be done. Then in that day my Lord to meet and stand before his judgment seat. Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life. The still small voice gently pleads for a better choice, bidding myself aims to leave and to God's holy will to cleave. Only one life, 
which will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, a few brief years. Each with its burdens, hopes, and fears. Each with its clays I must fulfill, living for self or his will. Only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. When this bright world would tempt me sore, when Satan would a victory score, when self would seek to have its way, then help me, Lord, with joy to say, only one life will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Give me, Father, a purpose deep, in joy or sorrow, thy word to keep, faithful and true, whatever thy strife, pleasing thee in my daily life, only one life will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. O let my love with fervor burn, and from the world now let me turn, living for thee and thee alone, bringing thee pleasures on thy throne, only one life will soon be past, only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, yes, only one. Now let me say, thy will be done. And when at last I hear the call, I know I'll say, t'was worth it all. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. Only one life, t'will soon be past. Only what's done for Christ will last. And when I'm dying, how happy I'll be if the lamp of my life has been burned out for thee. Sobering, isn't it? We only have one life. The Bible says our life is like a vapor. The older I get, the more I realize how many people I knew, knew that, are, that are dead now. Only one life so it will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. And I know some of you might say, well, how does... I'm not a missionary. Whatever we do. Colossians 3.23 says, Whatever you do, do your work heartily. That means with a whole heart. Heartily. As for the Lord and not unto men. Even though we serve men, we do it as unto the Lord, right? Only one life. I don't know about you, but that's, that's haunting to me. Okay. We are going to close. Wow, I just have to read this. Nearly 28,000 churches in the U.S. are participating in My Hope America. 28,000. So at least 28,001. <laughs> if you'd like, you can actually order a free DVD. And if you use this code, you can get it from me afterwards. I'll just give it briefly. M, capital letters, M-H-A-C-1-3-R-D. You'll get free shipping. I just as soon pay the shipping for them, but help them out. And also, you have until November 6th. And after November 6th, the DVDs will not be available. However, you can download them from the website. So if you're interested in checking this out. And also, it says here that on... On November 7th, Billy Graham's birthday, the cross will be shown nationally on Fox News at 10 p.m. So it will be shown nationally. So for those of you that would like to be a Matthew, 
I'll just start this. I should have started that earlier. If you want to just start that around very quickly. We'll meet up about, uh, say, 5 after 12 in the room upstairs here, up the stairway to my left and to your right. So, Okay, we have a little different service today, but hey, we only have one life to leave, to live. And this is one day of it, right? I think it's very important, very important stuff that we're involved with here. So please, I know we're going to close, but please, if you would sign up for that. I know it's going around, and if, uh, if it get, doesn't get to you in time, please make a point to track it down and sign up if you would. Let's ask the Lord's blessing on the rest of our week. Father, we give you all the praise and thanksgiving for all of your goodness. I thank you for all these people, Father, whose hearts are hearts that desire you to know you more. I thank you for these marvelous testimonies, Father, and I thank you particularly for, for Dr. Bob and, and this incredible, miraculous, life-saving, Father, from him, for him. We thank you, Father, for speaking to each heart here, saying, yes, I can do this. I can be a Matthew. I can be that person. I thank you, Father, for the people here that maybe have never really come to know the fullness of Christ. I pray that today would be that day, Lord. We give you the praise and glory. We ask for your rich blessing on this week, Father. And Lord, make us to be gatherers, collectors of souls, fishers of men, as Jesus called his disciples. Let us truly be that in your sight. Let us be found faithful. In your name, Lord Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.